are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Good morning. Beautiful day out there. A little bit nippy for me. Crisp. Oh, crisp. Okay, that sounds better, doesn't it? Um, I want to kind of continue on what we talked about last night, and it's just beautiful. The car, the is Jesus enough? It's um, so nice that the Lord went before me. You guys thought that that was all for you, but boy, it's just been so perfect for the messages that I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring. So we're going to continue on that vein this morning, is Jesus enough? And scripture tells us that God is love, so you could put the word love in the place of Jesus. Is love enough? And last night I talked about what does love look like, and this morning I want to continue on that, but more uh, with the bent towards um, is love enough? We know what it looks like, but is it enough? And I'm not talking about the kind of love that human love that you and I are so familiar with that that really is so self-serving. You know, we it's easy to love people that meet your needs and makes you feel good about yourself, but that's not the kind of love God's talking about. When God says that I am love, he's saying I am all you need. <laughs> I have everything you need and I'll love you even if you're unfaithful even if you fail to meet the standard that I call holiness, I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to draw you, and I'm still going to embrace you, because Scripture tells us that it's the loving kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not somebody taking the Bible and using it like a hammer and knocking you upside the head and saying, hey, get straightened up. God says, it's my loving kindness that's going to lead you to turn around. It's going to cause you to hit a tree if you don't turn. Because he loves you too much to leave you in the state that he finds you in. And that's true for all of us. So I want to look at one of my heroes in the scripture besides Jesus. And that's Mary from the little town called Bethlehem. I love Mary. And uh, she's a a hero of mine. We see her three times in scripture. First time we see Mary, she's a young girl. We're not sure how old she is. Good chance that this girl's probably 13 or so because she's not married. And in the Jewish culture, generally they were betrothed by the age 13. So I suspect, can't prove it, but I suspect she's probably 12 or 13. And the first scene where she shows up is when... Uh, Jesus is going through the town of Bethany, and Martha, her older sister, invites him to come eat at her house. Now, we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are probably orphans because they never named a home after the girl. It was always after the father. But in Scripture, it says Martha's house. So Martha's the eldest, and uh, these three are more than likely orphans. Luke ten thirty-eight. We see Jesus there. Martha's invited him to come to her house for dinner. 
And the scene is that he's reclining at the table. Now, they didn't have tables and chairs. They would actually lie on their side, propped on their elbow with a low-lying table and eat. So I want you to picture that. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, Martha's in the kitchen, and she's slaving over the hot stove. (laughs) And she keeps bringing food in and putting it on the table. And after probably about the fifth time, she stops, puts her hands on her hips, and says, Hey, Jesus, you see my sister here? I am so busy serving you, but she's not doing anything. Would you tell her to help me? She wants Jesus to rebuke Mary for sitting at his feet and listening to his words. And Jesus looks at Martha and says, Oh, Martha, Martha, you're worried and anxious about so many things. You're distracted with all your preparations, Martha. Mary's chosen the best thing. You see, there's only a few things that are really worth anything, Martha. Really, there's only one, and Mary's chosen it. I'm not going to take it from her. So the first time, Mary's sitting at his feet, listening to Jesus. And the second time we see Mary is in John eleven twenty. Remember the story. Mary and Martha send word to Jesus and says, My brother's sick. Lazarus is sick. Will you come heal him? And Jesus says, No, this sickness isn't unto death. I'm not going to come. And we see about three days or so later, Jesus turns to his apostles and says, Let's go. Lazarus is sleeping. And they said, well, if he's asleep, that's a good thing. He's going to get well. And he said, no, you don't understand. He's dead. And the boys are scratching their heads saying, so why should we go now? He's dead. And they didn't want to go because Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. At this point, the Pharisees are trying to arrest Jesus to to, uh, uh, question him and even potentially persecute and kill him. And the boys know that. These apostles say, we don't, we don't want to go there. That's too close. Finally, they say, well, well, we'll go and die with you, Jesus. So they go. And when he comes into the city, Martha hears that Jesus has arrived, and she runs out to meet him. And they have a discussion, and then Martha goes back and tells Mary, hey, Jesus is here. And we see Mary the second time, and she comes to Jesus And she falls at his feet. This little girl understands something and is at his feet. And Jesus looks at Mary in John 11, 32. And scripture says he looked at Mary who was weeping at his feet and he felt compassion for her. And he said, where have you laid him? And then the very next thing says, Jesus wept. Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead. He knew he was about to resurrect him. Jesus was weeping because somebody that he loved dearly was crying. Have you ever cried because somebody you love is crying? Beloved, that's what love looks like. And he's weeping. 
Third time we see Mary is in Mark 14. It's also related in John 12. I'm going to be pulling from both of those to put the story together. And this is where I really want us to look. Jesus, it's six days before he's going to die on a cross. And he goes to the people that he loves. If you knew you were going to die in six days, you would probably surround yourself with people you love, wouldn't you? So he goes to the house of Martha. And two day, four days later, two days late from the cross... He goes to the house of Simon the leper. Now, obviously, Simon was no longer a leper because at that time, if you had leprosy, you were, had to live outside the village. And uh, so Simon probably more than likely was healed of leprosy by Jesus because there was no cure back then. And so Simon's preparing a dinner for Jesus. It's a big feast. And we see Lazarus is there. Now, Lazarus was just raised from the dead, and he's there. And it's interesting because Martha is in the kitchen cooking again. Almost 12 months before this, Jesus told her, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by all your preparations. You're worried and bothered about so many things. Martha didn't get it. It's okay. So Martha's cooking, she's preparing and serving, and we see Mary one more time. She comes into the room, and she brings an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. Scripture says it was very costly. Spikenard. And she breaks the vial, and she pours the perfumed oil over his head and over his feet. She's at his feet again. Beloved, that's what love looks like. She wasted her most precious possession on Jesus. Spike nerd. It's a year's wages. So whatever your income is for one year, I want you to picture that being poured on Jesus. Your whole Whatever your income is, picture it, putting it in the offering plate this morning. No savings account. No parents, they're dead. Nobody to turn to. And she gave what she had. Now, for her to have had that vial of perfume, it had to have been her dowry. Because Jewish girls had to have a dowry in order to be married. You could not get married unless you had one. And often it would be perfume. Sometimes it would be wine. So she poured out her past, her present, and her future on him. That's what love looks like. This young girl... She saw something. She knew something that they didn't see, they didn't know. And we see in the scriptures, you know, this, this act that she did, it wasn't um, a sudden burst of hormones. Her emotions weren't all stirred up by worship, a nice worship service. She premeditated this. She wasn't at home. She was at Simon's house. 
That means she brought that vial with her. She planned to do this. And she broke the custom. She let her hair down. She dried his feet with her hair. In that time, for a woman to let her hair out down was equal to being a harlot. She touched a man, another rule that she broke in public. You see, Mary loved him. And she didn't care what anybody thought about her. And the apostles in the room, it says, not just Judas, but all of them. Scripture says they all scolded her. Judas was the one that spoke up because he kept the treasury. And uh, he says, why, didn't, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Why this extravagant waste? She wasted a year's salary on you, Jesus. And scripture says these men scolded that little girl. Both. Martha was preparing a natural feast. Mary was preparing an eternal feast. You can do the same thing. That's what's beautiful about this. We can all do this. We can all live this way if we choose to. Mary wasn't worried about the cost. You may not have a year's worth of wages to give the Lord. You might be financially poor, but you have a human heart. And that's valuable to God. You can give him everything with no regard to the cost if you choose to. Now, I want you to know that Jesus never, ever demands extravagance. He never does. He asks us to love him in that general sort of way. But he never demands extravagance. The de- my definition of extravagance is number one, you want to. You just want to. And number two, you have no regard for the price. Mary had no ulterior motives. She did what she did simply because she wanted to. Extravagant waste. And these men are scolding her, and Jesus looks up and says to her, and I'm paraphrasing, Scripture doesn't say this, but I can imagine him saying, Hey, Mary, I love you. Looking in her eyes, I love you. And Mary saying, I love you too. Scripture says that he says, This is a good thing that you have done. The result of extravagance the perfume gets on both of you. For the next two days, everywhere Jesus went, he smelled like Mary. And I just suspect when he was being whipped and beaten that he smelled that perfume. His hair was saturated with oil. And he remembered, she loves me. 
I believe Mary's a type, a shadow of the bride of Christ at the end of the age. God calls his church his bride. It's a spiritual analogy. It's not a physical union. And we're going to smell like him. And he smelled like her. And everywhere that Jesus went, he could smell her affection and her love for him, her extravagance. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. (laughs) I tried not to say that. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Everywhere that Mary went, she smelled like him. Something happened (laughs) all 12 of these apostles scolding this little girl and Jesus turns and looks at them and says leave her alone Peter leave her alone John stop leave her alone the poor Judas You'll always have the poor with you. You can help them anytime you choose, but you're not always going to have me with you. Mary's done what she could. She's anointed me for burial, he said. Custom dictated that if you were going to die or was about to die, that you were anointed with oil. You see, they didn't believe him. When Jesus told them that he was going to die, those apostles didn't believe him. Scripture says in the upper room on Passover that he told them and they didn't understand. They didn't believe. One person believed him and that was Mary. She heard him sitting at his feet. She heard him say, I'm going to die. And she said, if you're going to die, I'm going to anoint you. She's anointed me for burial. You see, I'm about to hit a tree, a cross. I'm going to die on that tree. This car so symbolizes Jesus. First time I saw it, I thought, wow, the blood of the lamb. He's about to hit a tree. In two days, I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to die on a tree. So that you can live. And she's anointed me for that day. And they scolded her for it. And Jesus says, Stop. Bartholomew, they're not even going to remember you. Thomas, all they're going to remember about you is you doubted. But this girl, the nations of the world will hear her story. And here it is, 2,000 plus years later, and we're still talking about what she did. I think that's beautiful. I love the fact that Jesus loved it. I love the fact he defended her. Another hero of mine, another woman in the Bible that did the same thing as Mary, is the widow. Remember the story? It's in Mark 12, 41. 
this Jesus goes into the part of the temple where the alms boxes were. And these boxes, they had a, a, a box at the bottom, but it had a trumpet that would come up out of, and the people would put their money in the top of the barrel like a trumpet, and the money, the coins would go down and make a noise when it hit. So Jesus goes to the part of the temple where these boxes are positioned because he knows this widow's coming and he doesn't want to miss it. And he goes in and he sits and he watches. And it says that all these rich people were putting in out of their extra. They never felt it. You can give to God and never feel it. It's possible. And that's what was happening. And he wasn't moved by that. But all of a sudden, this little widow woman comes into the temple. And I know he knew what she was doing. And I know he was watching. And she goes over and she puts her two copper coins equaling a penny into that trumpet. And Jesus calls his disciples over and he says, did you see that? Hey, boys, did you see what she just did? This woman, she gave me everything she has. She doesn't know where she's going to get her bread tomorrow. She's a widow. She has no husband, no one to help her. And she gave me everything she had. Beloved, that's what love looks like. And that's what Jesus did when he hit the tree. He gave us everything he was so that we could live, so that we could turn around and do the same thing. He did it first. Is love enough? Jesus hanging on the cross can't feel his father for the first time in his existence. He feels separated from his father, and he can't remember why. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know he had to say, is love enough? Was love enough for him? Was it enough for him? Yeah. The very next thing he does after he cries out, he says, Father, into your hands, the hands I can't feel, I can't sense, I can't perceive, feels like you've abandoned me, but I know you, and you love me, and you're faithful, and you won't ever abandon me. Your love's enough. So into those hands, I will commit my spirit. I'll trust you. That's what love looks like. When it feels like God's a million miles away and he's forgotten you and your world is crumbling at your feet and you don't know how you're going to take your next breath. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Though you slay me, I will trust you. I know you, God. You love me. You care. You're greater than. And you'll take this tragedy and you'll use it for my good. Somehow, some way, someday, I know you will. And three days later, love wins. And Jesus comes up out of that grave. And we get to live. 
we get to live. That's what love looks like. Love is enough. It's always enough. I'm so challenged by Mary's love and devotion, her extravagance. She wasn't a Bible scholar. Scripture doesn't tell us that she ever did one miracle. She didn't preach any sermon that we know of. She wasn't famous in the world's eyes, but, beloved, she was famous in the eyes of God and still is. That's what love looks like. It's enough for you. It was enough for Mary. I'll never get married. We don't quite get that. In the Jewish world back then, if you didn't get married, you had no hope. As a woman, your only hope was to get married. Beautiful girl. All three times in Scripture, every time, she's at his feet, adoring him. John 11.5 is an interesting verse to me. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, I've always been intrigued, why is that in there? For some reason, God wanted us to know that he had this special love for those three. And you look at Martha and you go, okay, why? Because I kind of think that way. I think if I can figure out why he loved them special and I can do that, then he's going to love me special, right? Why do you love Martha? She's a good cook, Sandy said. (laughs) Martha didn't do anything heroic. She even got rebuked by the Lord, and it appears 12 months later she still didn't get the message and was still doing the performance thing. But he loved her. And then doesn't even use Mary's name there, and her sister. It's as if God's pointing out, I didn't just love Mary. I love Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus, what'd he ever do? All he did was die. That's all we know. That's all it ever tells us. He died. And Jesus had this special love for him. He loves everybody. But it's clear that he had a special reason for telling the world that he loved these three. I love that. I love that about him. That we don't have to be Billy Graham for God to love us, or Mother Teresa, that we can be who we are. And we can take a big, deep breath and know that we're special to him. And that because he hit the tree, we don't have to. We get to live. You and I, we don't have a choice whether we're going to waste our life. We will waste it on something. You're going to either waste it on yourself, you're going to waste it on the world and the things of this world, or you can choose to waste it on God. You see, Satan, his agenda for you is to get you to waste your life on him and this world. That's what he's after. 
but Jesus came so that we won't have to do that. He came to give us hope that we can waste our lives on him. That we can prepare an eternal feast for the king of kings and waste our lives where it counts, where it matters. I have this thing I ask myself all the time. When I'm, gonna, when I'm in a, a place where I don't know exactly what I should do or should I give myself to this or that, I'll ask myself, I used to say 100 near, years, now I'm, 50, I'm about to be 55 in a couple of weeks. Now I say 50 years. <laughs> in 50 years, will this thing matter? Will I be glad that I gave myself to this in 50 years? And if my answer is yes, I'm going to put my heart into that thing. But if my answers know that it really won't matter to me in 50 years, I'm not going to waste my time on it. And Mary, do you believe 2,000 years later she's glad she did that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The little boy, the lad that had the five loaves and two fish. Remember him? Didn't have very much, did he? And you know he was hungry. And you know, Jesus said, there's not any place nearby. The apostle said, there's no place nearby to go buy food. You, you know that little boy had to realize, if I give him my food, that means I don't have anything left for me. But he did it. It's not about how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. You can choose to waste your life. It's not whether or not you'll waste it. It's how you're going to waste your life. You have one hour on this earth. One hour. We all have one hour. Are you going to live your life with utter abandonment, with extravagance? Waste your life, throw it at his feet, pour out your oil on him, and I promise you, you won't be sad. You won't regret it. Wholehearted living, because he deserves it. Not because you have to. I love the fact that God didn't demand it, that he didn't even command it but we get to voluntarily be extravagant. There's another word the world calls it right now, and that's fanatic. And it's a negative connotation. But beloved, I don't care. Call me fanatic. I hope I get called a fanatic. I don't want to be lukewarm. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's a scary scripture to me. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to the lost. He's talking to believers. I'd rather you were cold or hot than to be lukewarm. That's what love looks like. Ask Mary, was, it, was love enough? If we could ask her right now, what do you think she'd say? Absolutely. You have an 
opportunity to commit your life to extravagant living, extravagant devotion. It's not about your money, just your money. If you want to know what you love, look at how you're spending your time, your money, and your energy, your emotional energy and your physical energy. You'll find out what you're in love with. Just do a little inventory. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money, your resources? And how are you spending your energy? You can be extravagant in all three areas if you choose. God will give you the grace to do it if you say yes. You have to be willing. It's a gift. He's not going to command it or demand it. And he's still going to love you if you choose not to. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. He'll still love you. This isn't about whether he loves you or not. It's about how you live your life. You get to give him a gift if you choose, like Mary. So I'd just like to give you a few minutes to talk to the Lord yourself. If this is something you desire, tell him. Lord, would you give me the grace to live like this? I loved my definition of grace. Your gain at God's expense. So just talk to him. If this is something that you desire, tell him. I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes, a couple of minutes, and then I'll just end and pray for us. Now I'm going to ask you to drive a stake in the ground. Mary didn't care what people thought about her. And if you said to the Lord that you want to live this way, I'm going to ask you to stand as a sign that, God, here I am, and this is what I want. And I want, it, I want my family here to know. Father, you see us. 
You see the yes in our hearts. And God, you said that nothing's impossible with you. Nothing's impossible. You can do all things, and so can we. We can do all things through you because you strengthen us. So, Father, you see us. We're saying yes to extravagant, to wholehearted devotion, to love that the world will call foolish. But we don't care. You're enough. You're enough for us. And we're going to live our lives as if that's true. So, God, would you just pour out your grace right now? Empower us. Every person standing, empower us. Empower us to live an extravagant life to surrender right now 100% of our time, 100% of our money, our resources, our finances, 100% of our emotional energy, physical energy, spirit, soul, and body, God. We give you everything, and we say you are enough. You are enough. Though you slay me, Yet will I love you and trust you and adore you and worship you. Love is enough for me. And so, Father, would you do whatever you need to do to help me live the rest of my life like Mary of Bethany? withholding no good thing from you, God. And I thank you, Father, for doing that for us and with us and through us. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.